0: or anyone else you know is in the market to buy or sell a home, make sure you visit ccrealty.org today. We are the only real estate brokerage that donates 50% of its commissions to nonprofits dedicated to fighting climate change, and we operate in all 50 states. Enjoy the podcast. Barry, really great to meet you, man. Thanks so much for taking some time to come on the show. I really appreciate it.
1: No, it's my pleasure. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, glad to have you. What you're doing is really awesome, a nice innovation. I'm excited to kind of dive into all of it. But before we do, you know, we always like to get the show started with some background on who you are and how you got to be doing what you're doing at the current moment.
1: Well, so I'm uh, I'm ex-military. I served in the Royal Air Force uh, for four years, um, and when I and that was in the top end of Scotland. So every single season in one day, uh, horizontal rain, snow, sun. Wind, everything just probably within an hour. Uh, typical Scottish weather. But uh, when I came out of the Royal Air Force, I uh, self taught IT, then went on to do more Microsoft um, exams and qualifications than I could shake a stick at, and worked in the investment banking industry for some very large companies managing um change projects for around 20 22 years.
0: Okay. What inspired you to get into the Royal Air Force originally? I don't know how the military or if you even call it the military works out in, in England.
1: Yeah, so I think I I got to about 12 years old and I was introduced to uh, the Air Training Corps which is like the youth uh, military and just seemed to fit in and from that moment on I knew I was going to I was going to join Um, I grew up in the northwest of England, um, in in what was, or what is, um, the type of town where people migrate into, so big city, uh, and people migrate out into the suburbs, Um, but it it was one of those small towns wanting to get out, wanting to find myself in the world, but I knew from an early age that's what I wanted, so I did simple as so that yeah
0: and so then you went from serving the queen to serving the the fat cats at the big <laughs> banks how how did you end up doing that what called you to investment banking or financial services uh,
1: the money <laughs> to be honest um, of course a, a military salary back in the 80s wasn't wasn't all that but uh no it was the introduction to that was a time when innovation in computing was moving at a lightning speed Um, right up until the year 2000 and the millennium bug and you know all, all of that we we were innovating all the time there were new products coming out constantly so you were constantly learning and in order just to keep up you were doing exams you were studying and working but you're working very very long hours and investment banking yes investment banking pays very well but they like their pound of flesh that goes with it so um yeah it was one of those exciting eras really where you just see sort of things moving from one step to the next rather rather rapidly
0: yeah i mean as we were kind of discussing before the show started that seems to kind of be the case All the time whether people want to accept it or not but it seems like the pace if anything is is accelerating it's just are we going down the the right path i don't know if there is a right path but there's certainly a better path and a worse path and i'm always trying to find the one that's the best for me and everyone else you know
1: i think i think we're more aware of the right path now uh, the you know, the joy of the internet is the fact that we have all this information available to us, whether it's uh, disinformation, bad information, but you have the access to all that information. And there's more opportunity to make your own mind up, to be honest. Whether you make the right choice is entirely down to you, but it, it you have that information available to you. A lot more, there's a lot more transparency in the world than they used to be yeah we we used to have to get our news from the tv the radio or a newspaper now it's instant you know what's happening in your local neighborhood or across the world because it's on twitter first (laughs) and we yeah we didn't have those things so yeah it's i think people have more of an opportunity to pick the right path
0: And the interesting thing about um, the ability to make your own mind up is that you get to decide what the right path is. I think it's really important to, to be introspective and think about who you are, where you come from, and what really makes you feel good in life that's the right path for you and there's no right path for everyone and i think that's one of the biggest issues with the education system in the us i'm not sure if it's in the uk as well i always you know pink floyd we don't need no education i think of that kind of stuff (laughs) um i'm you know everyone knows i'm a big believer in free thought and expression and that's how you get amazing new innovative ideas and it comes with it you know arrogance and problems but that's that's life isn't it so so how did um financial services lead you to becoming an entrepreneur and now founding two different companies, one that we'll focus on for most of the podcast, but I want to cover your, the one that you made before that as well.
1: Yeah, so I've I've managed change for investment banks, uh, and that that was my that was my role. Uh, my background is in uh, IT infrastructure, uh, mainly infrastructure technology, so servers, networks, storage, that that type of thing. Um, and storage used to be huge, massive systems, and they've got smaller and smaller and better and better. Um, but it was always managing the transition from one to the other.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you've got multiple stakeholders. You've got your legacy. You've got your new. You've got the meeting of the two. And I think that sets sets you up well as an entrepreneur. But what I think every everybody who gets into business so similar vein, similar people who get into politics, they, they get into politics or they get into business first because they want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm going to do this because I'm going to make a lot of money. It's, I'm doing something I love to do. And the byproduct is, I hope to make a lot of money, but it's a byproduct. And I think that the two are, are very, very closely aligned. Managing change transition from one thing to another is very, very similar to to becoming an entrepreneur.
0: I think we're very aligned in that viewpoint, and I think people who who don't start businesses don't really understand. They think of someone like Elon or Bill Gates because they've become these really wealthy, um, I'm not going to say successful, just very wealthy people. They think that that, that's why someone gets into it. But I I couldn't agree with you more, and I also believe that there's no way to succeed unless you personally are aligned with the mission, whatever it may be. If it's revolutionizing communication or providing a better way for people to do shopping, people get into something. They want to. Everyone wants to make a living or become very wealthy. Perhaps I'm not really interested in that. But the the business, a really a business, exists to propagate some sort of mission. So before we get into talking about your um, your most recent venture, Alpha Three One One, can you tell me what Me Now is and why you started this company?
1: So um, Me Now, uh, basically, it's an app for small businesses. So I'd I'd seen a problem where uh, small businesses were using Facebook and Twitter and to some extent Instagram, but not, not so much, as a way of trying to fill their appointments. Hmm. And yet they already have a, a customer base. Now, the Now app was designed to uh, uh, effectively allow uh, customers to follow the businesses they used all the time and turn on a notification. So if the business had a slot or appointment become free, So it's very service based Mm -hmm. restaurants, hairdressers, dog groomers, that that kind of real estate agents, uh, real estate agents. Um, And what it was able to do is it would notify customers who opted in for notifications that there's a slot come free. So if my wife wanted a hairdressers appointment, she could just follow her hairdresser. And if there was a cancellation rather than wait six weeks, in order to, to, to take that, a notification would come up and she could contact the hairdresser directly and say, yes, I'll take that appointment. So from a small business point of view, they're constantly filling the gaps that they have because if there's a gap, they're losing money. Yeah. And that was, you know, we we worked so hard uh, on a complete shoestring budget to build this app and
0: then a pandemic hit. <laughs> You fit people will be doing more digital appointments now no no because no, over here
1: oh, that like was it. In... we were locked down
0: oh yeah so you
1: you're couldn't good, go to a hairdo, now, so. right? you couldn't go you're to a restaurant now, right? oh no we, we we literally so we we have a number of challenges here so number one uh cost of living is going through the roof so people mm. are spending the money that they would spend uh, number two we have brexit so we uh, the uk has left the european union which meant a lot of the uh, hospitality staff and waiting staff have gone back to europe and have not returned wow. so you've now got the opposite where they don't those small businesses don't have the gaps that they would have had previously so we've 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 parked it yeah, we're still paying mm-hmm. monthly fee to Amazon every month just to keep it ticking over, and then as things pick back up, then we'll we'll reinstate it and see what we can do to 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 really get it going again. But it was it was born out of trying to solve a problem for small business owners at a relatively low cost with regards to um, communicating with their customer base and not having. The SEO experience, the constantly managing Facebook, right, or whatever, because these people tend to be either you know, working by themselves or very small groups. You don't have anybody checking the Facebook Messenger every two seconds to see if somebody wants a table or a hairdressing point. But cool. we'll we'll come back to it. Uh, we'll yeah. find, we'll find a way to make it free, uh-huh. and then we'll just give that go you know, to small businesses. There'll be a different right. way to.
0: I was interested because I'm a small business and I could definitely use something to help with, with booking appointments. And uh, you know, when people don't show up for podcasts, it'd be great to have another one come in. That's another story. So you're um, yeah. you're paying Amazon. You said is that is that AWS that you pay to have yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah, the,
1: the app? Yeah, yeah. Just to have the app, and, and pretty much we we just had to yeah you know, mothball it for now, and we'll uh, we'll come back to it.
0: Yeah, for people who who are listening who don't realize, Amazon actually makes. That's, I back in when I was in university, as I would say if I'm talking to someone from the UK, but in college, back when I was in college, um, I learned that Amazon web services was like sixty percent of their revenue for people who don't realize. so you couldn't big companies yeah. can become creative and find a, a better revenue source than they initially thought of. So speaking of uh, kind of new ideas, when you were you said you were mostly focusing on IT and you used the phrase "change work." so I'm wondering if while you're while you're working in these big companies, were you consistently coming up with kind of new ideas and ways to make things new efficient, and were you always kind of finding these gaps in in the market or is this more a newer
1: thing um I, th- I, th- I think it was, it was it was a gap we are always trying to find ways to make things more efficient within investment banking mm-hmm. uh, i'll give you I'll give you an example so um historically in investment banking, you would have multiple layers of um servers so you'd have your production servers where everything running live is available you'd have a backup so an exact mirror just in case something goes wrong Mm -hmm. then you'd have a user acceptance testing for any changes Mm -hmm. and then you'd have development so you've got four replicas of the same network And one of the things that we did was we decided, well, actually we can save a lot of money here by getting rid of the user acceptance layer and using the backup, but just with some different storage. So you still got the same servers, but rather than connect to your production storage, you connect to your user acceptance storage. So we cut a third off the bill. Yeah. Just just by doing that one process. that took a year and a half to achieve Mm -hmm. and then we have different layers of different types of storage how long you are storing that etc so we were always looking at ways to improve and i think that was the key going into um doing this as a a, doing me now first because it was about efficiency for the small multiple small business owners this uh, Alpha is a completely different board game, but totally. it was born out of the networking events for for the Me Now project.
0: Yeah, well, this it is this idea of this amazing technology and potential we have with wind power and um, finding ways to improve that and become more efficient, perhaps on a, on a smaller scale. So, yeah, let's get into kind of talking about it. What is Alpha Three One One? Why don't you maybe recount the uh, origin story as well?
1: So uh, we were, myself and my co-founder, John Sanderson, we were traveling up and down the motorway at a time when our local uh, state was turning off the streetlights at night to save money. Mm-hmm. So that's, a, that's that's quite a fundamental thing. If, if you know, The roads aren't well used, but the lighting's there for safety. And you're turning it off because you can't afford to keep it. So it was a case of why hasn't anybody put? You, know, you follow a truck driving down down the freeway. You can see by the side of the road the impact that their airflow is having just on the trees by the side. Why has nobody tried to capture that? Turns out there's a lot of patents <laughs> exactly looking at that, and there's a lot of studies with different sized vehicles displacing air at different amounts, etc. But what we looked at was how could you get a local authority to put a turbine system on a road if they haven't got any money?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: How do you do that? So there has to be a benefit. And Alpha 311 was born out of the fact that every local renewable energy project should have a benefit to the local community. That's how it it was born. How can you give the most benefit to that local uh, community? I'll give you an example. Um, Where I am now in uh, Witsilable in England, um, next town along is seven miles away. And between us, they're going to build one of the largest solar farms in Europe. My electricity bill will still be exactly the same. Yet between the two, all I will see is solar panels. So where's the benefit where's the benefit to me and the two communities that this solar farm which well, renewable energy okay the energy is coming from a good place but my bill's still the same mm-hmm. there's no actual benefit other than it's green so where's the incentive for the local community to want to have that in their backyard You can replace solar with uh, a 800 foot tall wind turbine. In fact, you can replace it with 10 of them, but people don't want them in their backyards. So where's the benefit? And this this is how Alpha was born. So we knew people have thought of this before. We had seen all the studies, but the difference was we weren't using what we already had, which was the road. Right, and the lighting columns, and the fact that every lighting column is connected to the grid, because that's how it gets the power for the light. Mm-hmm. Energy flows both directions. If you go and put solar in your house, the uh, your local utility provider isn't going to come and put a separate cable to take the energy from your solar; it uses the same one, and that's where this was born. So, Alpha Three Eleven is a retrofit. Turbine. You take the header unit off the lighting column and you lower the turbine with the lighting column right through the middle of it and you put the header unit back on. And as traffic goes past on one side, it turns the turbine. But if you put it in the median of the highway, traffic's coming the other direction as well. Mm -hmm. So now you've got double the airspeed impacting your turbine on every single lighting column. If you can double the airspeed impacting your wind turbine, you've got eight times the volume of air that can be converted into energy.
0: So when people, when people think of a turbine, they think of this giant white stick with three blades spinning on top of it. How could that yes. possibly be integrated into a, a road? How is yours different?
1: So uh, vertical axis wind turbines are, are, are built differently. So they, um, uh, Usually, the uh, turbine is determined by the central shaft. So, um, if a big turbine, top end of a tower, three blades, has a horizontal shaft. And mm-hmm. at the end of one side is the blades, at the end there is a load of gears and a generator, but that shaft is horizontal. A vertical axis wind turbine tends to have its shaft pointing straight up. Well, we remove that, We remove the shaft because there's a mm-hmm lamppost in the middle of it instead, yep. um, but it's the same basic function it it rotates around the pole, not as a three bladed um, propeller, effectively. Now turbines have been around for. I think the Chinese were supposed to have invented them two thousand years ago.
0: I mean that's basically how like all energy. Is basically from from turbines. It's either steam pushing a, a turbine, isn't it? Like ba- the basic water. way we create energy, water. Yeah, it's water. All just but pushing mo- stuff.
1: for for the most part, it's it's steam. Yeah, nuclear power plants heat up water, and it yeah steam rotates a generator. Exactly the same mm-hmm. thing. It's all propeller based.
0: Right. Who, who who invented this vertical axis turbine? How old is that?
1: Apparently, it was apparently it was the Persians around sort of like 500 AD.
0: Oh, so old and, school. and that
1: oh, yeah, old school. and it was rather than a blade, it was a sail, hmm. same thing you you have on a ship, if you think about it, they just put lots of them around, and they were used to pump water, but the the most common so uh European windmills used to get the the great big four uh, bladed propellers uh, very common in uh, the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen any of the old Dutch photos, but yep. they were used to to, uh, to grind uh, grain to make flour.
0: Right. So the company originated with this idea of providing an essential service to people who are struggling to afford it or communities that are struggling to afford it, creating a more efficient and a f- using a resource, which is not something that many people would think of, which is the, the wind coming off of cars, which is a pretty substantial amount. When you think about how many people are driving each day, we're, we're concerned about the energy power in the cars, but there's so many more pieces. And that's one of the, most thing, the things I love most about trying to tackle the climate crisis or, reducing carbon emissions is there's these glaring inefficiencies in the way we live and it's not just about um what we do it's really a lot about what we don't do as well it's letting these things go um i always think of like grey water or even like human waste, it seems like we could be using that in a more efficient way, making compost and stuff. But um that's really cool that you came up with the idea and it's kind of expanded from there. How does well, the the, go ahead.
1: the idea well the idea was that we just wanted to power the street lights. Yeah. Streetlight individual street lights don't use a lot of power. If our LED right. lights now around uh, hundred and seventeen watts. hmm It's nothing. It's nothing at all. But then, so we gave that to uh, some very clever people, uh, Institute of Thermofluids Fluids and uh, a professor from Leeds University and basically said, what are you going to do with the rest of the energy? Like, oh, okay. Uh, and that was two and a half years ago. And what we have now is much, much more efficient. Um, if you ever stood by the side of a road and a truck has come past, Mm-hmm. You felt that energy. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a bus, whether it's a garbage truck, you know, literally a second and a half later, you have felt that air. Um, same as being by a train and a high-speed train's come past you. You can feel the uh, the air and the energy of that air moving in, in that direction. So we harness that energy into rotation. Uh, unlike traditional turbines where you need big great big blades because you're looking at the size of a swept area the bigger the swept area the more energy can be produced per single turn we're going for rotational speed so we have uh, an alternator it's an american company that makes our alternator um, and that is unique to us and designed to operate at around 150 to 300 rpm that spinning motion will produce enough power to uh, equal around 30 solar panels per turbine, per day.
0: When you say a panel, I think of a, a giant, maybe four by three foot thing that someone's laying on a roof. Is that one panel or is like... That's there's, one, there that's are one fo- panel. Okay. 33 of those. From, from 30. 30 from a truck driving yeah. by the road
1: it's it's the dual airflow it's having that one one vehicle going on one side of the turbine and another vehicle coming the other side of the turbine
0: that's well, the difference well the necessity is kind of i was kind of strange when you said that they turn the lights off at night it seems like that's when you need the when are they using when were they using the lights if it was like would I have the that, lights on during and, and, the day like you know what i mean
1: that, well no that that's the point in in other words, they sort of basically said, well, between the hours of midnight and three in the morning there's very little traffic, so we'll turn the lights off mm-hmm. and that saves over you know forty thousand lights that saves x amount per day. it makes sense um but it was it wasn't the fact that we. We saw it as a problem and that spawned what we have now. That was the starting point. What we have now is vastly superior to where we were three years ago.
0: Well, that's very interesting. Can you kind of explain how that progression happened? And I think I had read something um, that you said you got the cost down like to a very, very smaller amount by changing what you made the, the turbine out of to, a a carbon or what was it? It was like down from like $110 to $4. Is that all? Is that what kind of that process Uh, you're talking about?
1: uh, Yeah, so so what that is, is uh, so we use carbon fiber um, composite for the turbine because it's ultra light and very, very strong. We have been testing and we have a version that is made from recycled plastic. Mm.
0: Now
1: it doesn't work on a podcast, but you can see my camera Which means you can see.
0: Oh. Kind of. Looks like a giant looked like a giant roll of toilet paper for a second. Oh, it's a turbine, I can see. Big It's a turbine. But
1: this is made from recycled plastic.
0: Right. And that's what you're making yours out of. And it used to be made out of a, like a metal.
1: So so no, we're making it out of composite, so it's carbon fiber. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the, this is the future in that if we can get the weight down, the difference in man, in, in, material cost goes from about 3000 pounds down to four pounds.
0: That's, that's quite the difference. <laughs> it,
1: it, it is, but yeah, it's high density thermoplastic. It's way too heavy right now. We need to spend more time and money developing that. Um. And as yeah just being a fledgling company, we just need to get product out the door right now, right so we'll stick with the carbon fiber, which is fine um, at the end of its life we can chop it up and make a carbon fiber mash and reuse it but the future would be a recycled thermoplastic because then we can at the end of its life we can chop it up and use it to make more turbines
0: so I guess my my only kind of immediate concern would be is there any kind of health and safety issues when there's this spinning turbine right next to the road that's being powered by the amount of cars driving by is there any way it can like cut down the the light or spin too fast and i don't know explode or something
1: no no so so there's from a health and safety point of view people would need to from people point of view they'd need to get past the lanes of cars first to get to the turbine um The turbine being carbon fiber, it's immensely strong. And this is uh, Formula One, so IndyCar type grade uh, carbon fiber. So immensely strong, but immensely light. Because it's rotating around the column, there's no impact to the column at all, whatsoever. Mm -hmm. If somebody was to crash and hit the column, they would have to hit the crash barrier first, then the column but the turbines at two two and a half meters above ground it's Mm -hmm. not going to cause impact plus it's not going to overspin this type of turbine reaches a maximum rotational speed before it just can't let any more air in Uh, the alternator um, gets to a set speed and then the magnetic interference starts to slow it down so there's there's multiple safety elements in the turbine already. Plus, we apply a brake. There's a control system. It's not just left spinning freely. So we've tried to cover every eventuality with regards to the safety aspect.
0: That's awesome. You can't
1: cover absolutely everything. Of course. But... We think we've got most of the things down pat. the The key here is that the uh, the turbines are leased; they're not sold. So we maintain the turbine; we keep the the ownership uh, of those. But the leaseholder keeps all the energy. And this is why this this is why this is why this is vastly different um to anything else that's out there So we don't sell energy it's not what we do
0: mm-hmm.
1: so if uh so we're working with a, a number of authorities in the united kingdom uh, we've spoken I, I did a cracking trip to chicago at the beginning of the year i had no idea a place could be that cold <laughs> it was <laughs> go um go but we were we were there to look at the possibility of the city generating a revenue stream from the energy produced by the turbines. Yes. So here's the thought. If you're producing your own energy and selling that to a utility, what do you use the money for? Because you're selling the energy.
0: As a consumer, you mean? No, no, as a, as a, as a city. Okay. I don't know how, how governments about, spend their money. I try not to pay attention.
1: How, But the, the biggest impact we can have to our climate is to actually use less electricity. And the best way to use less electricity is to better insulate your homes. Sure. But a lot of people can't afford the insulation for their homes. So if mm-hmm. you set up a community fund where that insulation is paid for, and this is what we're looking at here. The, uti- the city produces its own electricity using our turbines. That electricity is sold to the utility provider. That money is used to insulate social housing, to put solar into wow. schools, to install ground source heat pumps. The people who cannot afford to make The biggest changes now have the changes paid for. It's completely revolutionary. It's not about the electricity, it's about creating a secondary revenue stream for a city Mm -hmm. or an authority. You have to deal, as a city, as people in Chicago or anywhere else that has uh, high speed or heavy traffic, you have to deal with the pollution, with the you know, the traffic noise, etc. So why should you benefit? Turning your streetlights into a source of energy generation, you can benefit because you're selling the electricity. But you can also then have the renewable energy credits that you can also sell to bolster that community fund. And what do you do with the fund? And this is why this is game changing. Mm -hmm. It's less about the turbine because the turbine we will keep to improve. It should pay for itself more than pay for itself. The more turbines we can produce, the cheaper they get. The cheaper they get, the more can be deployed. The more that are deployed, the more energy you create and sell to your utility provider who will take every single kilowatt of renewable energy you can generate. And then you have the fund. Solar for schools, ground source heat pumps, insulation for homes. The opportunities for cities to remove fuel burden and fuel poverty are unbelievable.
0: Absolutely, and that's
1: why we do what we
0: do. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Especially understanding your origin story, you're really coming at this from an angle of not only how can we uh, tackle climate issues and sustainability, but you're you're really focused on how can we use innovation to improve our local communities, which I think is absolutely fantastic and a <laughs> unique angle. I don't. Here too, too often, there is focus, especially with activists on engaging the local community, but from a, a business point of view, your thought is really, how can I use technology to improve the local community and invigorate, like, or so help let, people? Let, let, Go let, ahead. let
1: me give you some, let me give you some stats. So in, in, on the planet, we've got just over 7 billion people living on the planet. 4 billion of those people either have little or no access to electricity. Mm-hmm or are completely reliant on coal or kerosene to produce it. Right. Four billion. If we in the Western world move to electric vehicles, we reduce our consumption, we still have over half of the planet using the highest fossil fuel pollutants. Mm -hmm. If we cannot come up with a community benefit on a cheap renewable energy source, what's the point? Right. And that's the sobering piece here. What's the point? COP26 was held in Scotland last year. Mm-hmm. To joke that it was held in Scotland because 25% of all households in Scotland cannot afford the electricity they have access to. They are classed as in fuel poverty. In this country this year, our energy bills doubled overnight because of the price of electricity. We went for two and a half million households being in fuel poverty to 5 million households being in fuel poverty.
0: Can you describe that a bit in a bit more detail? I've never heard the term fuel poverty. Okay. in the US, you, <clears throat> so, yeah, so we got fracking you, you got spend... and stuff, different.
1: <laughs> so, so fuel poverty is you've got access to electricity. You you are connected to the grid and you are charged for your every kilowatt that you use. If you spend over 10% of your income on heating or cooking, if you spend over that, you are classed as being in fuel poverty. Okay. Okay. Scotland, nearly 30% of all households in Scotland in that situation wow it is shocking and we have this around the western world so if that's in our more advanced areas what's it like in developing nations how do we fix that problem and that's the ultimate goal we want to be looking at how do we make this as cheap as possible? That comes with scale. And then, how and where is the community benefit? Because I'm an advocate put solar in, make people's bills cheaper. Put huge wind turbines in, make people's bills cheaper. Mm-hmm. Anytime you've done something locally, you reduce that transmission distance because that energy is flung into the local grid and it's used almost immediately. So, make it cheaper. It makes sense. If I put an offshore wind farm in and it's 25 miles out to sea, I've got to step up that current coming in to land and then I've got to get it into a main hub before it can be transmitted to where it's needed. That costs for every single mile we do it to so put it in locally, but make it worthwhile. And this is exactly that type of technology.
0: Right. What what are your thoughts on getting these four billion people to more re- renewable energy, or not even more renewable energy, but just getting them energy in general? Because is the idea to get get the cost down on this kind of stuff for it to make sense? Because I've I've talked to people in, like who are saying that it's just it's not going to make sense for people who are who don't have access to energy that really want it to to start with renewables because. I'd forget his argument. I've talked to all sorts. I used to knock on doors in Boulder, so I've heard all sorts of different ideas. But um this this model in Chicago is very interesting to me. There's a lot of people who uh talk about developed countries not living well. There's a lot of parts of Chicago that, that are not doing so well. So this idea of having an increased source of, yeah, yeah. of of local revenue being reinvested. Are you talking about reinvesting it into the like retrofits, meaning that new technology that once it, the initial kind of barrier cost is taken down and they get the newest heating and cooling systems, then it can be, um, the bill will go down because it's not burning this this fu- these fossil fuels or using old tech. Well, yeah, look,
1: right. look at, look, you know, you say the old tech, you know, solar is improving all the time, it's getting thinner. There's elements of efficiency that sun doesn't shine for half the day. So you need a mix, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think insulation is probably the biggest, the, the lead biggest thing with regards to saving people's lives, especially in winter Insulation is, is the easiest. And there are some amazing technologies now. I, I saw a company that's making sheetrock out of uh, carbon that had been captured. A oh, fantastic idea. Yeah. Do that and do it big. Um, But there's there's lots of brownfield sites. You don't need to cover green areas with solar panels. Or let's let's start reusing some of these brownfield sites and turning them into energy generation. It's not always about the newest tech. It's about putting it in the right place for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. And I think that's it's not and it's not just Chicago that are looking at that type of scenario. We're also doing that over here in the United Kingdom. Right. But insulation is the quickest and easiest way of reducing the amount of energy that people use, which means that it costs them less and it helps get them out of fuel poverty. With regards to deployment of tech, that then comes down to the cities who are involved and in generating and creating these funds. There are multiple companies around the world who will pay for turbines because it's a it's a CSR play their corporate and social responsibility to tax right off for them so buy turbines buy solar put them in places where they benefit people do those things put battery systems in place oh my god we we go out during the day and our solar on our roofs puts energy into the grid we're not seeing the benefit of it if you haven't got a battery system Mm of a night time when we go to bed you should have a small wind turbine that's capturing that cooler more dense air and putting that energy into a battery if you're utilizing a battery system then you're always using the cheapest energy possible to you so build hybrid systems put them into um, poorer areas of the world western world developing nations all of these things can benefit local communities but you know you you look at what you can produce in solar and wind and how that would impact a, a developing nation it's not just the energy for lighting you can power a starlink system you don't give them access to the internet which means that now you're helping to educate their day is longer because they have lighting so the education can go on past. Mm-hmm sunset that changes people's lives and it can be renewable doesn't have to be coal doesn't have to be kerosene oil is going to be around for years we're not going to stop it just yet and we need to accept that but we need to have reasonable alternatives
0: well, I don't know if we ever need to completely stop it. When I and I'm thinking about the idea of 100%. There are, it still have will have use cases no matter what. It's just to the extent that we're doing it now is absolutely ridiculous. I think I'm not. I'm not much of an absolutist, but um, there's always use. There's use, there's stuff on the earth that we can use. Um, one thing I will comment on is um. This idea of of having too much energy coming in through the the solar panels and then absolutely get a battery and store what you need. And then and then if there's more energy on top of that, it would seem all the community initiatives helping the developing world, I think that's great. And then and then reinvesting into your local community with funding is great. I think a another great thing to do would be to use that excess energy to then power a, a some sort of CO two drawdown technology, whether it's direct air capture or something that's actually going to um, get rid of these um, legacy emissions that we have. That's just that's just an idea that I have. Um, your angle is, is very is very interesting, and it's cool to be talking to you. Three years in, um, can you explain how your 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 business model actually works? Are you so you're light you're leasing to these local not a utility but a local city will buy your, your turbine and lease it and then you lease it to them and then they keep the credits. How how is, how is this uh, work like scalably and like economically? so
1: well the, the, the key to uh, any major deployment is scale and we get the largest supplier discounts from from our suppliers the more that we order the more parts and more bearings, the more alternators, the more composite um, we see the benefits of that scale which makes the turbines cheaper. Simple as that. Um, the turbines, um, as we deploy more, our assets grow and our company is more valuable uh, because of the number of assets that we manage. It's as simple as that. Um, the renewable energy credits depends on where we are in the world, but for the most part, we are gifting the renewable energy credits as a sellable commodity to the city.
0: Great, because
1: that's why we're here it's what we're here for it was never money first yes it's going to be worth billions of dollars let, let, let's make that really clear we get it, it will be but that will come the whole reason why we're here first and foremost is it has to be a secondary revenue stream for the council, there has to be the benefit for the community even if every car goes electric it will still displace air. Mm -hmm. We will still turn turbines. We will still be able to produce energy. And that's the key. Now, we also have a commercial side. We have a commercial side where um, corporations can buy turbines. Mm -hmm. So whilst we're gifting to communities, corporations will buy the turbine. That's not a lease model. That's a purchase with a, software agreement with a maintenance agreement. So you've got two areas of this business, one, which is a community resource and one, which is a commercial piece.
0: I was just going to say that, do, do you realize that you perfectly represent the new age CEO in, in my mind as a young Gen Z entrepreneur or just a young Gen Z person? I look up when I think of like, who do I want running large companies? You talk about a billion dollar opportunity. I think of of you coming at it from the angle of how to improve the community. I think that these are the type of businesses that will be succeeding in the uh, in the twenty first century, and I think that has not been the case over the last fifty years necessarily. I think that I I always say that businesses do operate based on a mission, but not all CEOs come from this angle of really how. it's not you, you said first. You, you were talking about gifting money to communities. Like I think that's kind of bamboozles some of your buddies from the investment banking world. I would I would imagine, but it's ah, um... uh,
1: I, I I think I think it's actually the opposite. So E S E S G, uh, environmental social governance elements of um, investing. There there was, there are trillions of dollars looking for a home with regards to giving something back and improving not just the planet but communities in in the whole um whilst we tick those boxes it wasn't deliberate the mm. aim was where's the benefit first and, and you're right that it has to has to come from that angle first we then had to work out okay how do we monetize this element of the business how do we monetize that element of the business because we've still got to make money you have got overheads i've got people to pay etc some very clever people i hasten to add um but it was always about why 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 do it in the first place and when you look at the big picture and yeah the, the four billion piece is, is shocking um i actually find it more shocking when i start looking at individual cities and communities and seeing where the you you can you can look up on a map and you can see the areas of poverty and it tends to be where the most industry is, mm-hmm. and it's a complete oxymoron. You've got all that industry and all that money being made, and that's where the poorest of people live. That's wrong, and we need to fix that model. And that that's what we're you know, we're trying to have a little bit of an impact on that. And it's not gifting. Don't forget the. These turbines sit on infrastructure that already exists, Mm -hmm. has already been paid for. We are being hosted by these communities, so they should benefit. By utilizing what we already have, the existing roads, already blighted the landscape, the roads there, the lighting columns are already there. We are utilizing and reusing something that's already been in place. So we're not gifting they
0: are benefiting. Yep. that I, That's cool with me, man. I, I I love it. That's just all I was trying to kind of trying to say. I just say you kind of represent, I don't know, a, a better way of, of thinking about how to how to build a company, I, in my humble opinion. I'm wondering um what are some of the most kind of exciting projects? You've mentioned the streets, streetlights somewhere in the UK, and then you've mentioned Chicago. Are there any other exciting projects that you and your kind of company are working on right now?
1: So there, there's there's a, a great uh, a great project that we're, uh, we've been out in uh, the West Coast um, at the end of last year. Uh, I can't go into too much detail, but there's, there's an opportunity there which would see tens of thousands of turbines being deployed.
0: Of England, West Coast of England.
1: No, no, no. West Coast of the United States.
0: Oh, US. Cool.
1: Yes. Now, the aim there is that we would still be able to provide power when the power is shut off in high wind events so because because of the nature of the, uh, the uh, overhead wiring the wiring uh, touches in high wind events and causes wildfires so it gets shut off but we could still supply power not necessarily through the overhead wires but we could supply power to fire control systems to monitoring stations that wildfires are less frequent that's mm-hmm. that's a that, that's a big that's a, a big uh, exciting project for us not because it's 10,000 turbines that that's a scalable nightmare for sure. for, that, for a company that where we are right now where we or in a year's time would be completely different but uh that's that's a huge piece um anywhere where we can see we can have an impact by producing a revenue stream mm-hmm. is exciting um, Chicago could be amazing really really could be amazing and not because it 's the windy city but be, you know, just some of the roads are um ideal there's a lot of traffic in the in the us you know over 140,000 vehicles a day I've noticed. as an example um but i think some of, some of the some of the most in, impactful are the smallest ones so uh, my my hometown uh, i grew up just outside of liverpool and we have an opportunity for uh, either side of a bridge that was uh, that was built recently and knowing that that would have an impact to people who still live in my hometown that's exciting um and on both sides of that bridge but it might only be 20 30 turbines but it's a start and i know the town itself has probably got some in the region of about i don't know 20,000 lighting columns on a high, on high speed roads um, that's just one hell of an opportunity the key for me is to scale the company both here and so we we are a holding company and two trading companies one's in the uk one's in the us so we, we have two companies and the idea is to scale both of those significantly so we can have the biggest impact one of the things I was asked about is if I could set up in anywhere in the US, where would it be? And I said Detroit. Yeah. Because, De- because Detroit has gone through hell with the, um, the, the, just the downsizing of the automotive industry. But it has all of that manufacturing capability. And you have all of that skill and one of the things that we always said that we would do is that we wouldn't ship all of our product thousands of miles around the world because it adds to our own carbon footprint we're not making anything any better if we do that so why not set up in country and why not set up in country and retrain people to build and commission turbines and it's not just the building commission of turbines it's the installation and the maintenance of turbines it's not just that piece of work. It's the turbines have sensors in and they collect data. We can monitor the road vibrations. We can monitor the traffic flow information. There's a whole data science piece that's going to grow out of this. And we're, we're fortunate to work with Microsoft and just some of their technology in order to collect this data. But now you're building, you're retraining, you're giving well-paid jobs you're affecting local communities in that local businesses are having to hire people in order to do your installations and your maintenance and your data science and it just grows and grows and grows and they're the most exciting projects ever because it's it's change in an entire community The turbines are on a 10-year lease, which means after 10 years, the newest model gets renegotiated and the new models go in. So every 10 years, you're swapping them out. That turbine is now fully paid for, so that can now go to a developing nation free of charge because it's paid for. Those those are probably the, the most exciting things that we will do in the next 10 years is building communities back up on renewable technology and the residual jobs around it.
0: Barry, I I think you've made your your vision and motives very clear throughout this conversation and I'm just I'm like awestruck. I think it's I I, I always say I'm always talking about the different angles that people are taking but you I I liked what you said about I feel the same way about this um this podcast when I talk to someone who's just just a local business that has a really kind heart and they're just going out and they're just doing their thing. That's some of my favorite episodes rather than someone who has a lot of followers or something. Um, There's something really endearing about having a, a small impact on one person versus a a giant impact. And I I don't know. I just, I just resonate with that, with that kind of idea. Um, So yeah, thanks. Thanks for what you're doing. I, I And with that said, I do hope it grows because, you know. How,
1: All right. how- let, 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 me, let me clear. It's not just me. I have sure. an absolutely amazing team who are growing day by day. Um, they, they are phenomenal. And you know, some, some of the people we work with, you know, the guys at Microsoft, uh, the guys at um Cole Morgan, the composite companies, etc. They they are just absolutely astounding. And I think one of, the, one of the things I'm lucky is that I, I, have, uh, I have a team of people who all share this vision and that's why we will be successful.
0: No argument there. Any final pieces of advice for young folks who are passionate about improving the world?
1: Oh my God. I think well, I, I gave a, a lecture to a community college in, in Oregon uh, towards the end of last year and they, they asked something similar. I said, we didn't invent a wind turbine. We looked at something a different way. And some of the, some of the biggest impacts that people can have is, is quite simply picking up a pencil, a piece of paper, and look at look at the world around you. Look at the, your immediate world and say, how can I make this better? Because when you look to make your immediate world better, it can grow to something very, very fruitful. Now, we started with um plastic soda bottles and we made a turbine to see if we could create something that had no central shaft but it started with a pencil and a piece of paper we wanted to change here and then all of a sudden you're changing everywhere and i right. think pick up a piece of paper if you can dream it and you can draw it you can build it
0: well i'm um, we'll, we'll we'll leave it at that Barry, I appreciate the time, man. That's, that's so awesome.
1: Uh, it's been absolutely brilliant to talk to you. Really do appreciate your time as well. No, It's, uh, it's been awesome.
0: You got it, man. All right, everybody. See you on the next one. So if you or anyone else you know is looking to buy or sell a home anywhere in the USA and would like to create thousands of dollars in donations without any cost out of pocket, please visit ccrealty.org today.